0: Even though she's claimed to be religious and prude, it doesn't mean that she's opening the door for these. Absolutely. All these other comments to come in, including relationships with other NBA players, as you mentioned, trips and sexual conduct, whatever it may be. It's
1: the future. Down and distance. On All this this legal term and all that. This is my first time ever being in this, I mean being a in a system or learning a system. So trials and all that, like I hear about it. I, uh, they tell me while well, I'm at my meetings, but like I told you my concern is just playing well this year. I can't think about a case that um, I feel like I'm innocent in. Like I feel like I ain't doing anything wrong like I said. And I can't let that distract me with what um, the year that I have ahead of me. We're back down a distance right here, WGN Radio, Radio WGNRadio.com in association with the arena. I am Sean Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at SD2Mikes. For this podcast and all previous podcasts, you can go follow us at DadPod, D-A-D-P-O-D right now. Download the WGN 720 application right now. Go to the iTunes store right now, the app store. Get that, and you can find all of our podcasts. Myself, Jared Payton. You can follow him at Payton son, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N. The Derrick Rose case. Now, this city has gone through a lot with Derrick Rose over the last three years with injuries, some of the things that he said, general soreness. He's never been really good at explaining himself. And then pops up after he's traded to the New York Knicks. We go through that pain as a city. We find out that a civil case concerning him and two of his friends, gang rape. I think this entire city and everyone surrounding Derrick Rose was thrown into a state of shock. We never saw it coming. And with all of that said, one of the individuals that has been on top of this case from day one, we're more than honored to have him right here on Down and Distance today. He is a Chicagoan himself. He is a professor at Charleston Law, sports lawyer. He is the managing editor of The White Bronco. That's thewhitebronco.com. He's a contributor at SI's The Cauldron and Bleacher Report. Welcome in to Down and Distance, none other than Chicago Zone. And from Chicago, I like that. Dan Worley right here. You can follow him on Twitter at Worley Sports Law. Dan, welcome in to Down and Distance. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure. October the 4th is the trial date for Derrick Rose in this civil case with him and two of his friends against Jane Doe. I believe it's the first preseason game for the New York Knicks on that day, so more than likely he's going to miss that. But I want to go right into the deposition and testimony. We can look at Derrick Rose's deposition, and we can pretty much say that his comments have been vacuous and foolish. On the other hand, we can look at Jane Doe based upon some interviews she's done recently, conference call, that her deposition can be viewed as uh, not authentic in comparison to Derrick Rose. Yeah, he was foolish, but it seems like what he said was genuinely how he viewed the happenings on that particular evening. So how does a jury look at this when they're receiving deposition and, and testimony and they're saying, look, this person? Yeah, his comments might be a little bit off the cuff and crazy, but we look at Jane Doe. And admittedly, she's been caught in a couple of lies. How does that play out for a jury?
0: Well, most jurors, what they're looking for is the truth. And so they're looking for honesty from the witness, who they can believe, because they're going to be hearing a lot of different things from different witnesses, including the parties, including the lawyers up there yammering. Um, and so they're looking for what they can believe. So let's take Jane Doe first. Um, as you mentioned, from the from the pieces of the deposition testimony we've seen and from the arguments from the lawyers, She's been caught in a few lies. Um, None I don't think are particularly so related to this case that it's going to make a huge difference. Um, But they will be brought up during her live trial testimony to try to show the jury that, well, if she would lie about these sort of minuscule things, such as whether she purchased this sex belt or whether she already had it a few different times about her, Saying things to rose that weren't true which if she lied in those other times wouldn't she be lying now as well or could she be and so the point of that is to kind of put put some doubt in the juror's mind about her testimony at trial um now with rose um you know as you mentioned him Chicagoan. follow him his whole career uh fantastic player unfortunate injuries and everything but we've all seen his his uh interviews as well and we know that he's not always the most well spoken um has a tough time articulating what he's trying to say yeah and i think that came through in the deposition um for example he was asked whether he knew what the term consent meant and he said no can you tell me to the lawyer um and so that was one of the you know hot phrases that went through the media um I, I don't think that's as quite as big a deal as everyone's making it out to be. Uh, I think the lawyers can, and Rose himself can pretty easily explain that away as saying, well, "I thought he was asking about the legal definition of the term, or I didn't quite understand what he meant." Of course, I know what yes or no means, um, but uh, again, you know, I think the, the overarching issue here is that when Rose is actually put on the stand at trial, is he going to be able to? clearly articulate his version of the facts, because it's going to be up to him and whether the jury believes what he's saying. So um, that remains to be seen.
1: We talk about believing what someone says. There are going to be a lot of people with contrasting testimonies for both parties. And I want to talk about Gabriela Chavez. You released a story yesterday talking about the former roommate and friend of Jane Doe, who filed a declaration stating that a few weeks after the alleged sexual assault, she went on a trip to Las Vegas with Doe and bluntly asked her, were you raped? And Doe said no. Now, while everybody on social media reacted as if this was going to be the freedom walk for one Derrick Rose in this case and the smoking gun, you point out, hold on, not so fast. This might actually have minimal impact on this case. Tell us why.
0: Yeah. And I don't know about minimal impact, but I think less impact than, uh, you know, maybe the media is making out to be or whether people, when you first hear that fact, make it out to be. And I think there's a few reasons why. First of all, she's not the only witness who's testifying to sort of this point. So, uh, Go has at least two, maybe three witnesses who are going to testify that in the days following the incident, she talked to them and told them that she was raped. Okay. Um, Rose has this uh, this witness that you just described, uh, Gabriela Chavez, as well as another witness who was also uh, Doe's co-worker and then a roommate, friend, presumably, uh, who's going to say the same thing that she never said that she was raped. So um, the jury's job here is going to be to balance who they believe and, and to see if they can kind of make sense of these conflicting statements. Um, and I think... Those lawyers are going to ask her, did you have this conversation? And if she says yes, they say, well, why didn't you tell her? And maybe she'll have a good explanation, one that I could think of, and I don't know if it's true or not, but just something to throw out there, is that she just wasn't comfortable with this friend. They weren't that close. That she, you know, this is a traumatic event in her life, assuming that it actually happened, and that it's believable to a layperson or a jury that she just wasn't comfortable talking to this person about it. So that's, you know, sort of one way that it May wrote trial. It's tough to say at
1: this point. Now, in a previous ruling, before we get to yesterday's proceedings, in a previous ruling, I believe that the judge actually declared that anonymity would not be able to be used by Jane Doe in future proceedings. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a motion being filed by her attorneys to return back to anonymity based upon the fact that she wants to keep her family away from the knowledge of these proceedings, which I find I don't want to say I find it hilarious because nothing about this is funny but I find it really strange in the age of information and social media the six degrees of separations all over the place ex-roommates, friends, co-workers that probably know family members that are aunts, cousins that are connected to her parents that they don't know what's going on surrounding this young lady. Is there any way that she actually gets this anonymity back in this case?
0: Yeah, well there's actually no way because uh, at least People in the courtroom yesterday, it hasn't been officially released by the judge, but people in the courtroom yesterday said that he denied her motion for reconsideration, what it's called a sort of appeal that um, her name, she's asking for her name not to be used at trial. He previously ruled that it will be used at trial, and that, that ruling is going to stand. Uh, and the reason he did that is uh, you know, he, he knows that this is going to be prejudice to her because there's going to be Internet trolls and other people out there sort of harassing her Um, and her family may find out, but it's more prejudiced to Rose because he thinks, at least in the case law, tells us that when juries in a civil trial at least see the victim, and she's named Jane Doe, she's being anonymous during trial, their thoughts automatically go to the fact that he's somehow guilty and sort of prejudges their opinion of the case. Hmm. So that's really what the judge is worried about. Now, with regards to her family, You know, it remains to be seen whether they know or not. Um, Rose attempted to depose both her mom and her dad, and actually did depose her dad at one point. Um, Her parents are both, uh, I believe, Mexican immigrants. They don't speak English. And during her dad's deposition, apparently he did not understand any questions that were asked, did not know why he was there, uh, other than it was part of some lawsuit. And... Uh, ultimately, was pulled out of that deposition because he was looking ill. He was looking pale. So it only went for half an hour or so, and apparently he doesn't know. That's at least what um, Jane Doe is telling us and her attorneys are telling us still. Um, you know, obviously, her parents are older. They're not in great health. I don't think they're as tuned in to social media and things like that. Uh, and so that would be at least the explanation for how they don't know at this point.
1: Down a distance right here, WGN Radio, WGNRadio.com. Sean Davis at SD2Mikes on the line with me, Worley Sports Law on Twitter. Go follow him right now for everything that you need to know about sports law. He is Dan Worley. He's a Chicagoan. We have him on the line. We're talking about the Derrick Rose civil case. And I want to go into the proceedings on yesterday. Some of the matters that were put before the judge was the gag order where, where Derrick Rose and his attorneys – We're trying to put a gag order on the attorneys and Jane Doe herself. She had done an interview and also a conference call in previous weeks. Uh, Derrick Rose also was asking the court to exclude more witnesses on her side that would be testifying for Jane Doe. And then this for me is the tipping scale and maybe I'm wrong, but bringing up Jane Doe's prior relationships and sexual dispositions. For me, is very important when it comes to the defense of Derrick Rose and the other two defendants, because Jane Doe made it a point in the deposition that has been released to show people that she is a prude. She's a Christian. This is the type of girl that she is. And this is why she responded to the request of Derek Rose several times the way she did. So when you have that as the characteristic that she's trying to put forth before the world, the judge, and the future jury, how does this play out as far as that evidence of her prior relationships and sexual disposition? How does that play? I mean, we're talking about a lady that admitted on a trip here to Chicago. She brought a friend along that some people quote-unquote said was a sexual therapist. So with all of this being said, how does this play out? Right, so
0: there's a law that you can't, in sexual assault cases, you can't introduce other instances of past sexual history uh, to kind of show that, you know, for lack of a better phrase, slut shaming. we we'll slut shaming. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. She's putting it out there, so she must have been, she must have not gotten raped. That's basically what the argument is. And right. So there's a law saying you can't do that. However, there's one exception in civil cases to that law, and that is if, as you noted, if the plaintiff, such as Jane Doe in this case, brings up the issue herself first. Then the defendant, Derek Rose, is allowed to respond and bring in other evidence. So um, the parties are arguing They, you know, obviously they don't agree. Uh, She's saying that even though she's claimed to be religious and prude, it doesn't mean that she's opening the door for these. Absolutely. All these other comments to come in, including relationships with other NBA players, as you mentioned, trips and sexual conduct whatever it may be um you know the judge heard the party's arguments on that yesterday hasn't put out a ruling yet so we don't know where that's going to lie but you know i agree it's it's a really important aspect of this case and uh rose's lawyers have been pounding that home the entire year this thing has been in federal court and so it's obviously an important piece of their case yeah so the, it'll be an impactful ruling.
1: Yeah, the sanctions, there were also sanctions, if I'm not mistaken, were there sanctions put on Rose's attorney for actually using her name in some proceedings that he had to answer to or they had yeah, to answer so last,
0: to? You got it. Yeah, last week he, he sent her real name in court two times. Uh, at least that's, you know, what the report is, uh, at least once. And, uh, you know, that there's still an existing order that you have to use Jane Doe up until trial. So he violated that court order in front of the judge, never a good thing to do. Um, judge said, hey, you have to respond to the court. I'm going to fine you, I'm going to sanction you $1,000 unless you can give me a good explanation of why you did this. And so he responded to the court that, you know, he's been working on this case, he's been talking to the witnesses, they all use their real name, we use their real name in the office to prepare for this trial, and just slipped out. Uh, and I think he made a real, real clever PR move. Uh, by offering to donate actually more money, $5,000, to a uh, rape shelter association in his area that his wife apparently is on the board of um, as, a, as a gesture and then to not be sanctioned essentially, um, which you know, I think will probably resonate well with the judge, although we haven't heard the ruling on that yet as well.
1: Before we let you go, Dan, I want to talk about September 22nd, which is a very important day as well. Because a lot of people just thought this was a civil case where, you know, might have to give up some money. Brandon Anand, the attorney for Jane Doe, received a letter from the LAPD, dated September 22nd, said that there was a pending criminal investigation along the lines of the Derrick Rose gang rape case. Now, it just so happens that this was made public on the same day as NBA Media Day. Coincidence or clear strategy on the part of attorney Anand?
0: Well... I think the reason that uh, it was that day, I don't think they did it intentionally on the day of NBA media. Well, what they were trying to do is the parties have been arguing over this point and through other briefings for months. Uh, Rose's attorney said there's nothing. They said they've talked or Doe's attorney said they've been in contact with the investigator and it's still an open case. Um, And so when the judge ruled that she had to reveal her name at trial, in order for them to... Attempt to get that reversed, which we now know they lost that attempt. But in order to attempt to get that reversed, they needed to show some new evidence that something has changed that will prejudice her. And so they got this letter from the lead investigator to there's open and continuous criminal investigation um, in an effort to show that there's something different about the case and a new fact. So just I want to be clear on the verbiage because it's important. Um, you know, the investigators said there's an open and continuous case. Um, Doe went to the police, I think, three months after the lawsuit was filed in December of 2015. and They opened the case then. Nothing has happened since then. Rose, there's no quote-unquote pending case. There's no charges been filed uh, against Rose. They're just waiting. Um, And so how that impacts the trial is, you know, the investigators are going to be watching the trial. They're going to be looking to see if, other evidence comes out that, you know, may be helpful for their case. Because remember, in criminal trials, there's a lot higher burden of proofs. So they need a real rock-solid case um, as opposed to a civil trial where it's uh, a lower burden of proof, and it's sort of easier for the plaintiff to win those types of cases. So um, it remains to be seen. That, you know, I think it's an additional motivation for Rose to potentially settle this case before it goes to trial, just to erase all possibility of criminal charges being filed which i think are still remote at this
1: point Uh, how remote is it that we get a deal done over the weekend yes or no Uh,
0: i think i'll say no but i will say likely to be done maybe on the eve of trial monday maybe even tuesday morning um i still think that's the most likely outcome at this point but we'll see
1: that is dan whirly whirly sports law right here talking Derek rose civil case on Down and Distance. Go follow him right now at Whirly Sports Law on Twitter and you can go to his website, thewhitebronco.com. He has this case and any sports law information that you need covered like none other. He's a Chicagoan. We thank you for joining us on Down and Distance and we'll talk to you sometime during the rest of this season.
0: Great. Thanks, son. I appreciate you.